Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. This is H.D. Chambers with A-Leaf ISD and I want to welcome everyone to this episode. Uh, the episode is going to be one that I am extremely interested in and not only am I interested in, I think you're going to, those that listen to this are going to find it uh, a little bit shocking and a, a little bit, um, I don't know about concerning, but it's the and, the, and the concerning part would be that we actually are having to provide these types of services in our schools. And and I've got two ladies here that are experts in this, and I and I mean that by the the literal term, who who provide health care to our to our students. Uh, we have Ms. Cheryl Felder with Memorial Herman, and we have our own leader of all of our nurses, Ms. Um, Johnson. And I want to talk to you about all of the ways in which we have to serve our children. Carlene, if you want to start and just introduce yourself and what what how long you've been at Aleaf. And then Ms. Felder, I'll let you introduce yourself and what you kind of do. And then I've got a question that will start this whole, start this off on. So Carlene, thank you. I'm Carlene Johnson. I've moved up to health service coordinator. I started in A-Leaf maybe 20 years ago. I came from HISD as just a school nurse. And my ambition was to come to A-Leaf just to work in one of their campuses because HISD had no paras. I did the whole thing by myself. So by the time I get here, I was excited. Then this job dropped in my lap. And so here I am. So you oversee all of our nurses. I oversee all the nurses. We have uh, 46 schools, well, more, mm-hmm. but 46 campuses with, with including, well, not including this campus. We have 47 now. Right. Um, well, maybe 48 because we have early college. And so each one of those campuses do have an RN and we do have paraprofessionals. Good. And you're responsible for supporting them and supervising them? I am responsible for staffing the clinics. I am responsible for the in-services that the nurses get. I'm responsible for helping them keep their license because there's a lot of legal things out there that that happens, and a lot of the nurses don't know how to, you know, uh, work that out. So part of my job. A lot of parent complaints. a lot of staff complaints. I do all the evaluations for all of the nurses, and that just started last year. So, and that's a that's a big job. Yeah, thank you, Miss Felder. Uh, if you don't mind, thank you first of all for joining us. And, thank you for and, having and me. Your partnership and Memorial Harmon's partnership with with our school system. I appreciate it. Thank you. My name is Cheryl Felder, and I'm a family nurse practitioner, board certified. Um, I'm at the A Leaf. Health Center for um, our students. I've been with Memorial Hermann for about 30 years now. I've been with the school-based setting for nine years and here at A-Leaf for the past five years. And maybe just quickly describe the the school clinic that we have that we opened in partnership with you guys. Okay. Um, it's our belief that healthier students make better students. And if they're ill, they're more likely to miss school. Um, so the uninsured community in Houston is growing at a rapid at a rapid rate. And there, in turn, that affects all of our inner city youth. And so what we found out was that people are using the emergency rooms as primary care versus going to doctor's offices. And they're going for things like strep throat and ear infections and things like that. And that's clogging our emergency rooms up. And they're not able to actually provide all of the emergency care that they really need to provide. And so people are relying on the emergency rooms instead of going to their doctors. And so Memorial Herman recognized that. And in 1995, that's when we started our first school-based clinic. And so it's our goal to keep our uninsured students healthy, um, to prevent any disease, and to get them to 
attend school regularly. Um, so we track our outcomes, and they've shown a drastic um, improvement in overall health, academics, and self-esteem. And so our school-based clinics, we have 10 throughout Houston, and we serve over 80 schools, and we're in several school districts throughout Houston. We're open year-round. Um, we don't observe the school holidays. We observe Memorial Hermann holidays. Right. So we're open through the summer. We're open on spring break and through um, the time that the kids are out. So that way, if they get sick during the summer, they can still come to us. If they have a primary care doctor, um, we serve as their backup. Our goal is to be the medical home for those students that don't have any insurance. And we provide primary medical, dental, mental health, and nutrition services for all of our students. In our district, as well as most of the urban areas in this community, it's, it's, it's huge. Yes. We, we and all of our services are provided at no cost to the student. And that, that's appreciated. Uh, Carlene, you've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time. And yes, I have. It never ceases to amaze me that when you walk into a, a school, it could be an elementary school, a middle school, or a high school, the volume of children that are going through a clinic. <laughs> I, you know, some are legitimate sick. Some of them are just trying to get out of class and, and then all points in between. What's it like to be a school nurse? I mean, you, as a practical matter. I kind of think you have to have the passion first uh, to do this work because, number one, Nurses coming from the outside secular, right. they make a little bit more money than we do. So as we interview nurses coming into this field, we tell them it's not about the money. You have to have the compassion for the students. And for me, it's just it's my life. You know, I love school nursing, and you have to do that to, in order to take care of the students. And we have so many needy students that need TLC. And like Cheryl was saying, uh, healthy children learn better, and mm -hmm. that's our motto also. Uh, we do support our students in, in that fact. But they're coming in with no insurance. They're coming in with, you know, latchkey kids. We deal with a whole lot of students that that's homeless. Mm -hmm. So the environment has really changed. And But for me, it's, you have to love it. Do you find that, going back to the tender love and care, I mean, there's there's many of these students who come to us with significant trust issues in terms mm -hmm. of trusting a, an adult because they've been burned so many times figuratively by, by adults. Do you find that in order to get a child to trust a nurse in, the, in our in this environment, is that as much a, is there an effort in that place, in that? They come in trusting. Trusting. Uh, it's just something about a nurse properly reminds them of their mother, but they come in, and with the tender lo loving care that we give, we don't have a problem with them communicating with us. And I know I was at the school-based clinic with Cheryl. We had a student over there with a really deadly problem. I'm not at lib to say what mm -hmm. it is, but between the two of us, we really spoke, uh, talked to, to that student to encourage her to you know, talk to us and relate to us what her true feelings were, which we saw anyway. But we do have a lot of kids that's just needy, and everything that you can imagine is happening to our students. The the nurses that we have in our schools right now are registered nurses. They're all, all, all RNs. Okay, they're all RNs. You know, way back in the day, we did have 15 schools that had LBNs in them, but actually LBNs cannot make critical decisions, and they cannot assess. So we found out by having them, it was stressing the RNs out. Then BON decided, well, you know, that's not a good thing to have the LBNs in the in the clinics in a school base 
um, setting is because it's so unstable. When you came, we decided to get the RNs back right. on the campuses. So now we house 46 schools with 46 RNs, and they range from having a two-year degree. It's not that many of them, but the majority of them do have their registered nurse, BSN, or they have their master's also. And what's, what's the difference? I mean, you mentioned an LVN can't make critical decisions, but what's the the credentialing difference? I mean, okay, credentially, they're almost upgraded from being a clinical uh, uh, aide, right. and they're just taught to work under the direct supervision of a registered nurse. So really, there's not a lot that they can do. Uh, they do are they are licensed to do medications and G tube feedings and some of those things, but some of the other things like pick lines and all of that we would we would have to do it. So the difference is is the education. We have the theory and we have a degree where they just have the clinical. Got it, Miss Felder. You, you you've seen a lot not only in the the school based clinics, but in your experience in the healthcare system. My my job is to try to get students make sure they're at school and mm-hmm. make sure that all other students are protected. You know, your your role in, in working with the with the school based clinic, have you seen an increase in the use of that? Have you seen I mean we've had it for four or five years now. So, Absolutely. Uh, but mm-hmm. you see you've seen it peaked out and you made a comment earlier last week that we could probably stand to use a couple more Absolutely. In the um school based clinic, our goal is to see twenty four hundred kids per year. Okay. And when we first opened, we did meet that 2,400 goal. Um, we average anywhere from 21 to 2,200 students per year with the different things that have been going on, like Hurricane Harvey, you know, things like that when school yeah. was out, you know, for a few weeks and things like that. But on average, we we average between 21, 22, but 2,200, but our goal is 2,400 per year. And the, the students utilize the services all the time. Do y'all, how much do y'all work together? I mean, what's the coordination, the communication between Memorial and, and A-Leaf ISD in running that center, but also providing guidance or support in us managing our clinics throughout the district? What's that? Actually, it works pretty good. Cheryl uh, deals with just the high schools, and okay. we have uh, one middle school that's involved with that. So it's coordinated through you with them. And so I, I really don't interfere with that unless right. there's a concern. But she's working very well with our high schools. Right. We also offer um, mass sports physicals every year um, during the summer. And so Carlene helps us with that, and she provides us with the additional support. Sometimes we need extra nurses um, to be downstairs to help check in and try to manage crowds and things like that. And so she helps us with that by providing that additional support So for that's us. for all the physicals that students are required to, for, yeah, for athletics yes. and extracurricular and fine arts. Yes. Yeah, that's like herding cats, <laughs> trying to get all them organized. As the healthcare industry as a whole, as it's going through changes over the last, what, 10, 12, 14 years, you've, you've got what was going on uh, be- before the Affordable Care Act, you had the Affordable Care Act that came in, and then now there's tugging, you know, tug of war between whether it's, you know, a good piece of legislation, a bad piece of legislation. Have we seen a increase in the number of uninsured children relative to their student population, or have we, is there any way to gauge whether we're seeing more uninsured children, not? It kind of depends on if they have Medicaid or CHIPS or the private insurance because a lot of the vendors that come in that we bring in, that health service brings right. in, they either, if they have CHIPS, they can't uh, 
be involved with that vendor. So it's mostly Medicaid and uninsured children. And and my, you know, when I'm working the clinics, we have a lot of kids that do not have insurance. Yeah. And one of the big problems is we have nowhere to refer them. We cannot for, refer them to the school-based clinic because it's for high school. The little ones, we see maybe 30 to 50 kids per day. We're sending them to the emergency room. And I think that's one of the reasons Memorial Herman decided to go with the school-based clinic to delete some of that, to curtail some of those kids coming in there. But uh, our nurses do the best that they can with the skills that they have. Uh, but, you know, we're not doctors. We cannot, you know, write scripts. Right. But we do a lot of palliative things in the clinic. We do have a medical doctor that gives us standing orders, and those standing orders kind of help us out. And ALEAF is one of the school districts that do have a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. But the orders help us you know, with some of the, the palliative things that we can do, like they come in for, we don't do stomach aches, but we do, you know, headaches. We have things that she have on there that's really safe for us to use without, you know, a doctor being right. in our midst. Right. But the RNs can, we can do things and assess and, you know, help the student until we try to keep them at school if we can. Right. But a lot of times it's the, the kids are coming in sick. I mean, we have children with heart problems, respiratory problems, kidney uh, transplants, cancer, you name it, we're doing it. Diabetes, I'm going to say we have on every campus there's a diabetic. And way back in the day, we did not have, we didn't see diabetes. Now, I don't know if that's due to children being ob- obese, mm-hmm. you know, a little bit overweight. Right. And um but we still have a high number of our diabetics coming in. It's changed. The trend has changed. I know the insurance is out there, but the kids are falling through the cracks. They don't have it. So that's why it's important that we give them what they need, at least some of the, bring some of the medical things that they need or some of the vendors that can kind of help our students. And, and as we bring our vendors in, they're free of charge also. And I'm going to say that, you know, the state has not mandated nurses yet, but they do mandate uh, what we do, mm-hmm. which is kind of strange. You know, you got to have a nurse right. to do some of these things. But anyway, some of the mandated services that we have is uh, vision, hearing, scoliosis, and type 2 diabetes. Now, if you if a child go to the doctor and get a physical and that's connected on the parent, is going to pay for that service. We do not charge. You know, that's why it's important that we have those RNs in the clinics yep. and we can do that. You know, I'm sitting there listening to you talk and I've been in, I've been in education 34 years. It seems to me that every year that passes, the students and their families become more and more dependent on the on the school system for a lot of things. Healthcare, it seems, has become more of a burden, if you will, or there's been more of a, rely, a reliance. I don't think the average citizen out there, even if they're a parent who has children in schools, realize to the degree how the traffic that goes through a school clinic. You just mentioned on an elementary school, it's anywhere from 30 to 50 kids a day. And if you've ever worked in an elementary school, it's just one after another. The nurse actually sometimes does not get a lunch break. And if you think about it, it's almost a minute. A child come in every minute. And where teachers have 30 kids in their classroom, we see the whole school. And not only that, if there's somebody having an emergency outside of the school, then we go out and assist. The average primary care physician in a, in a doctor's office mm-hmm. sees anywhere from, per, on a busy day, 15 to 20 patients, mm-hmm. something, some, somewhere in that bump. And that's adults who can communicate, 
who've driven there and have chosen to be there. And if a doctor can only handle 15 or 20 adults a day, imagine what a nurse in a school is trying to do with a bunch of six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-olds coming in 30 to 50 on any given day. And, you know, sometimes our parents, you know, like, say, coming, coming back off of spring break, you would think, kids not coming to the clinic. We had kids coming to the clinic. And so sometimes the parents will say, go see what the, the school nurse tell you. And if she gives you a referral, then we'll go to the doctor. Yeah, yeah you're like So a, that happens a lot. Yeah, and although we don't see um, the elementary students, we do have one middle school, and then we serve all of the comprehensive high schools um, with the exception of one high school. We provide immunizations. We do well exams. We do um, sick visits. We do athletic physicals, camp physicals. We do immunizations. Uh, we have mental health counseling, nutritional counseling. We do family planning services. We have social service um, assistance. We also treat minor illnesses, injuries. We do um, exercise mm -hmm. um, counseling. And then we also have detection and treatment of sexually transmitted diseases. Um, so our students can come to our clinic different ways. The students can refer themselves, a staff member can refer the student, or a parent can refer the student. Um, and so they come, we take walk-in appointments as well as scheduled appointments. And so that's why that's why we are there. And like I said before, although we don't serve the elementary schools, we are there, and that's the reason for school-based health is to help to take some of that relief off the school nurses because school nurses are looked at as the primary care provider, but ALEAF is fortunate, fortunate enough that they do have a clinic and someone there to be their mm -hmm. primary care provider. Where do you see this going, Carlene? You've been around quite a while and you've seen it come from one place to where it is now. You know, uh, I go to a lot of conferences and so now they're talking about the tele telemedicine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so every conference I go to, that's been brought to us more and more. I don't know how that would work, you know, maybe like Dr. Reddy does mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. employees, but it might be an option to help our students. And that, that's where, instead of going to a physical doctor, you go online. It'll be in the clinic. Right, online yeah, with the online, doctor. Yeah, online, online. And we do a lot of that with our, with our employees. Right. That I think is becoming more and more popular. It is. In order for us to do their, our job, or for teachers to do their job of teaching, it takes you guys doing y'all's job of keeping them healthy or preventing something from happening. When I, ask, when I think of that question, I don't, I, I don't know how it's going to get better until we address the healthcare system in general, which is another mm -hmm. topic for another day. But our most vulnerable kids in our society are our kids coming from our large cities, our urban areas, mm -hmm. A-Leaf kids, HISD kids, Aldine kids. I mean, every district's got some to a certain mm -hmm. extent in this general area. And if we're going to give that child every opportunity to be successful in school, we've we got to put them in a classroom healthy, ready to learn. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, you mentioned obesity earlier. You know, diabetes and a potential reason for that. That's, that's where the type two diabetes come in, and we do do that screening on um, all the odd grades, the first, third, fifth, seventh, mm -hmm. and those kids that um, we find that have the type two uh, diabetes, they're referred. And one of the big things is obesity. Just overweight. Overweight, being overweight, but. Type 2 diabetes can be eradicated if you exercise and get on a proper diet. You know, it, it will go away. Are we able to work with parents? Is that even asking? Our, our parents are very receptive with right. the screenings that, that we do. And, and actually, they are used to it now. So I think if, we, if the state took them away, they would have some problems. Problems with it? Yes. 
Are parents open to being told your child is obese? You know, we had had problems when the program first started, but now it's so prevalent with so many kids with type 2 diabetes and adults. We don't have a problem. Right. Our parents, Mm -hmm. they're very receptive to it. It's just that they they don't have the resources Mm -hmm. to To provide the healthier Mm -hmm. meals that the child needs to correct the issue. So we do have a dietitian that comes in once a week to counsel our students that are overweight, that are obese, or that have the acanthosis. And the parents usually work with that, with the dietitian. And then we also have our navigators, um, and the navigator helps the child and the parent that don't have any insurance. They help to get them qualified for Medicaid or CHIPS. And then those that are not able to get qualified, they help them to get a gold card. They help Mm -hmm. us um, to navigate the system to find um, providers, if we need to send someone like to a cardiologist or a specialist, they help us to navigate the system to find um, those providers that will see the child at little to no cost. And then also they help to get them to food pantries and things like that to help them um, that are food insecure, you know, and right. things like that to provide the healthier eating options um, to combat the overweight and obesity. Yeah, that, you know, that, that it gets talked about a lot, you know, it was to, in terms of obesity and just the, mm-hmm. the, the increasing health risks that that causes for our entire country. And there's so much pressure being on being placed on the healthcare industry because of that. Things that are preventable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with the right education and the mm-hmm. right opportunities. And and you're right. It, if you go buy groceries, it's, it's expensive to eat healthy. Exactly. And I had one young lady um, that I was seeing, and she was obese. And I was talking to her about diet and exercise and eating healthy. You know, and she just came out and told me she was like, Miss, I understand everything that you're saying, and I want to eat healthy, but until you know, you have to talk to my parents. I don't have a say over to, you know, what kind of foods they bring in the house and, you know, the type of groceries that they purchase and things like that. So she said, until we can get my parents in and we can talk to them, then I'm going to continue to have this issue. What a cycle. (laughs) What a cycle. Carly, are most of your nurses from the, the healthcare industry or do most of them come to us straight out of school and go into our, I mean, how, what's, okay. or is it from all over the, all walks of life? But actually to be, to be a school nurse, BON prefers a nurse have experience, you know, say going through the emergency room or working in ICU. Because once you hit school nursing, you have, you're the, you're the medical person. Right. You have no one to talk to but yourself, you know, so you have to kind of come in knowing what to do. So right. our nurses, the majority of them either moonlight somewhere, maybe I shouldn't say that, but to mm. keep their skills up. Yep. But now our practice is getting to the point where you're going to use the skills anyway, because we're doing everything that, say, Cheryl might be doing in, in her clinic. They're coming from all over. We've hired a few new nurses first out of, fresh out of um, school, uh, nursing school, mm-hmm. and they've done well. Have they? Mm-hmm. They've done well. Unless unless they did some student internships or some types of experiences in a school clinic, I'd, it would seem overwhelming to me if you come out of a nursing school. <laughs> it's, and it's overwhelming. Put in there with a bunch of little little kids. And you know, the district actually, we have gained a whole lot of partners with the district, and and uh, we mentor a lot of uh, schools. We have UT, we have 
TWU. Prairie View wants to come in. We have HB, uh, HBU. So now the students want to do that clinical training yep. in school nursing because it's not as boring as it used to be where they say you, you um, all we did was put Band-Aids on. Well, it's not like that now, you know. So you're leaving a clinical setting from a hospital and you're going to get the same thing working in those clinics. Yeah. So we are uh, mentoring a whole lot of uh, new nurses that want to come back. And it's kind of good for us because then the job market, if we need nurses, at least they've already trained with us. Yeah, we, we did a podcast episode with uh, Jennifer Baker and Kimberly Crow earlier, and they're our directors of career technology education. And they said the most popular program, I don't know if it's the most, but one of the most popular programs we have in our district is in the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. It's either pharmacy technician yes. or clinical nursing assistant, which will obviously mm-hmm. lead to right. hopefully your LVN or RN. There's a shortage of nurses or there's a shortage of it is throughout the United States right. across the country, yeah. right? Yes. I sit on the I sit on the board of of a local hospital and and I get these monthly updates about staffing and that's one of the things we're always mm-hmm. told is we, we can't find nurses or other ta- uh, other technicians that that uh, they're out there well I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that the emphasis in the k-12 system on health care and the interest that kids are showing mm-hmm. at some point in the future will p- play itself out to being a pipeline of future RNs mm-hmm. future future nurses that go straight from our classrooms and into the clinic of our schools working you know a leaf kids working in our district and like I said before you have to have a passion of to be a school nurse, but the majority of the new nurses coming out of school, they want to go to advanced practices like like a nurse practitioner yeah, yeah, or a nurse anesthetist. They don't want to stay doing just bedside nursing. I no. would say school nursing is kind of like bedside nursing, but we have our own uh, department now, you know, so right. they are recognizing us where they didn't at first. Good, good. Yeah, someone wants some excitement. Involved. Well, you know what? I told you that when we were in mm-hmm. your office. I said, just follow a nurse one day. You'll see the excitement. We have 911s. Oh, yeah. We I have know. true 911s. True 911s. Yeah, needed. You know, anything that could happen out there has happened in A-Leaf, in one of our clinics. And thank God our nurses are well-educated and well-trained to take care of those well, emergencies. We're a large city. We are. A-Leaf's yes. a large city. We are. So whatever happens in a large city is going to happen in the school district. And it's happening. Yes. To adults, yeah. kids. We've seen it in the clinic as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I remind people there's no bubble over a school district or a school system or a school. There's no protective bubble, which there were sometimes. But, yeah, we're— It's a lot of hard work. True, yeah, it's, it's Dedication. Tre- tremendous hard work. And, and, I, and I hope the nurses in this district realize how much they're appreciated and how— not only by myself, but the parents and the families and the, and the kids in which they're helping. I mean, that's— mm-hmm. When they go home at night, they may be exhausted, but they— I hope they feel good about the work they've done. But they done. come back tomorrow, so they that's will. what I right. tell them. Come back tomorrow. Yeah, they do. They do. And if they didn't want to, they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. Well, what else? Is there anything else you'd like for those who are listening to us to know about, not just the, the nursing business in our school district, but just nursing in general? We're, we're, we're always trying to put information out through these episodes that are helpful and meaningful, not only to the listener, but to those that are that are visiting. Because you never know who may listen to this, and you never know what, what may strike a chord with them. Uh, you, you may influence some kid to go into nursing because the, you never know. You never know. So I don't I don't want to leave without you guys brought in your notes and I want to make sure you have a chance to. <laughs> I think I covered all. Did you cover cover all your notes? You did. You did good. But, yeah, uh, but like Carlene said, that you have to have that passion. 
um, because we see students all the time. And the students that I see in the clinic, they're like my children. Mm-hmm. And the problems that they have, I find myself thinking about them at night, you know, and hoping that they're okay, you know, and things like that. Um, some of them will text you. They will, you know, call you. I still have students that have graduated that still contact me whenever they have a medical problem and say, hey, Miss yeah. Cheryl, this, this, this is going on. You know, what do I do? You know, where do I need to, you know, where do I go? And things like that. So you connect with them and, you know, they're more than just a student or a patient to you. They're like, you know, your children and we become their family. Um, In some cases, you're the only person they they trust Mm -hmm. in a a sensitive situation, whatever they're. It's amazing how kids trust their bus drivers, Mm -hmm. they trust their teachers, they trust their nurses. And and then you got to earn that trust, which is, I guess, where the passion comes in Mm because the kids will see right through you if you. Right. If you're faking it or attempt, exactly. attempting mm-hmm. to fake it, exactly what you ladies do and all of the all of the, the the individuals that serve in this role across our district and across the, the greater Houston area is uh, not only is it appreciated, it's needed, it's required. I mean, we have no choice. I just want to, to thank you guys for coming on and talking about it. It's one of those things that people just kind of overlook. They know it's there, and 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 they realize that you know if you're a taxpayer paying your 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 taxes into the public education system, part of what you're paying for is to make sure your kids are healthy. And give them every opportunity to be healthy, and I think that's a, I think that's a reasonable, mm-hmm. a reasonable right. expectation for right. us to to be held to. And so we want our we want the public to know, and we want you know want them to know that we are their medical home. Mm-hmm. Um, our clinics have labs. We have a lab in the clinic, so we draw our own blood and we send it to the lab, and they run it and get the test results back to us. Our clinic has a pharmacy in it, so if the student doesn't have any insurance, they go home with that that medicine that they need. Right. If they have insurance, then I write a prescription for them to be filled, you know, outside. Right. But we are their medical home to provide everything that you would get in a regular doctor's office. Um, we don't do any suturing or we don't do any casting, but everything else that you would see or do in a, in a regular doctor's office, we do there. Great. And so we want them to utilize us as their medical home, as their dental home, you know, and things like that. And so we need those services extended to elementary. I see that wave of future coming, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah. we, we yeah. are going to have to have more school-based clinics. It, it looks that way. You know, mm-hmm. when, I, when I asked you earlier, where do you think, think this is going? I don't... Either telemedicine or school-based clinics. Yeah. We're going to have to do something. Because yes. it, doesn't, it doesn't seem that the private sector of health care is going to fill this void. At least it doesn't from my right. from And my, we recently my, started some telehealth services in the clinic. We have a psychiatrist that sees, yeah. addresses our mental health issues with some of our students via telehealth. Right. And, and that's what I was going to wrap up with was the, the mental health component of it. That's become, Big. I mean, it's always been there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it, I don't know why it took uh, a couple of tragedies to bring that to, to the forefront of the discussion, mm-hmm. the policy discussion. But the, the health and the mental capacities of some children, do you feel as though, um, well, I know how you would answer this. No, there's not, there's not, we don't have the capacity right now across our school systems to adequately monitor that. I guess my question, so I'm answering my own question on that. But the follow-up to that would be where where does the training come from? Does it does it come from the healthcare industry? Does it come from the mental healthcare industry? Who gets the training? I've, I've 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 had conversations with Tyre Walker, our director of counseling, and we've talked about this very issue about districts could use more counselors as we know them today, mm-hmm. but what we really need are trained specifically in the area of mental health. Just because you're a counselor doesn't mean you're mm-hmm, you've got right. expertise in that area. Do you see the same thing with nurses? I mean, could you would you agree with because uh, nurses aren't necessarily mental health care. 
providers. It depends on what area you go in. We do have nurses go into the mental health portion, but as school nurses, no. You're not equipped. We're not equipped. Right. That's, that's, so I, we do our continuing education mm-hmm. and go to seminars mm-hmm. and, you know, conferences to learn as yeah. much as we need yeah. to. Um, but, yes, you have to go to school to be specifically trained in, in that area. Mm-hmm. So I almost see part of the solution to trying to address uh, the, the, the mental health care issues that many kids bring to them every day at school is a, is a joint coordinated effort between the health side of it, mm-hmm. the counseling side of it, mm-hmm. and then obviously the, 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 the combining of those two, you know, making diagnosis and, and trying to address, okay, where can we find you help? Where can we find if someone's demonstrating the, a certain type of behavior you know, how do we find that that individual help? I just don't know how you do this. I don't know. I don't know. And I hope the state of Texas recognizes this as they begin passing policies on this, is that we've, we've got to have not only training to recognize it, but we have to have training in order to do something about it. You know, it's like you, for a long time, it was see something, say something. Well, it's mm-hmm. see something, say something, and mm-hmm. then do something. Right. And the do something is where I think we're Right. And we do have licensed clinical social workers in our clinics, and they are able to diagnose. They don't prescribe, right. but they are able to, able to diagnose, and they refer out whenever it's necessary. Um, and then they can get them in to see our psychiatrist um, for treatment um, and things like that. So we do have that available, but it's only to our high schools and the is, one is middle used? school that we serve. Is it, is it used? I mean, that, that particular service? Yes, absolutely. Service, yes. Is, is it, have you noticed a growth in that? or? Yes. Okay. I, our re- social worker is extremely busy. She goes out um, and she's at a school, a different school every day. She's assigned to a different right. school and her caseload is very, very extensive. That number has always been there? Like the number of children? We've just never, yeah, never recognized right. it. There's never it's it's almost like like I said earlier it took it took two tragedies, mm-hmm. uh, right. school tragedies to bring some attention to this. Right, and we're not just dealing with anger and b- boyfriend girlfriend issues and yeah. things like yeah. that. We yeah. have kids out there that are depressed. Yeah, They've made multiple suicide attempts. We have kids um, with bipolar, schizophrenia, dual diagnoses. You know, we have all of that that we deal with on a daily basis. As far as the nurses dealing with that, we usually, um, the the counselor comes in with us, yeah. you know, because we can't handle the mental portion of it. So we have to bring the counselor in to help us out to get the referrals. It, make, it makes the kid coming in with a runny nose and running a little bit of a fever. Sometimes seem... they have everything. Yeah. They have runny nose. They have some mental problems going on. It's Yep. The holistic child, and that's what we have to look at. Mm-hmm. If the if the audience that listens to this gets nothing else out of this, it's the broad spectrum of responsibilities that a, that a nurse in a school setting has. It's not like you're running an orthopedic <laughs> office and all you deal with are orthopedics or mm-hmm. all you deal with are mental issues. Right, or, with all of it. Right, we deal, deal with, with the, the holistic whole, the holistic approach. Mm-hmm. That, and that's, yeah. When yeah. I left your office the other day, as I was driving up back to the clinic, I had one of my students, she was walking down the sidewalk, and as soon as she saw me, she said, Miss Cheryl, can I come in and talk to you? And she sat in my office and talked for over an hour, an hour. And the issues that she's dealing with, it was just uh-huh. unbelievable. And before she left, she just grabbed my neck and she just cried <laughs> and cried. She said, I wish I could. I wish I could just leave with you. I wish because she just feels like she's alone, you know, by herself in this world that she has, you know, no one to count on. There's thousands and thousands of those kids. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have to be dealing with that at that age. Exactly. But. All right. Well, thank you again, not only for being on this little 
podcast, but for, for everything you guys have done, especially Carlene, been long committed to this district and for you and Memorial to partner with us. And we'll work we'll work on those additional. Thank you. <laughs> you work on Memorial and I'll work on A-Leaf. I, I know some people in A-Leaf, you know, we, maybe we great. get something done. But anyway, thank you guys very much. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. This has been Impact Ed, and I'm H.D. Chambers, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, we look forward to uh, sharing another episode with you in the in the very near future. Thank you guys, and have a great day. This has been an AMP production.